And now that you've learned a little bit more about the three of us and our work in the COVID and SSI space, so we, we're ready to start an open conversation around using the variable credentials to open a society and economy. And to avoid any confusion, I think you guys know what we mean by SSI, self-sovereign identity. So if you hear us using VC, we're VCs in our conversation, we mean verifiable credentials, not venture capitalists. So speak, uh, speaking of SSI and VC, so I would like to start a conversation by inviting like Riley to quickly walk us through how the technology evolved to what is today. Because like, uh, like Riley, you have been, you know, been following the, the space from its infancy and share like your take on why it is ready for, for wider adoption. Yeah, um, so when I got involved at Sovereign Foundation, the technology, you know, there was technology that existed. In fact, the Sovereign Network, um, which is the underlying blockchain that powers um, the, the, the sort of SSI use case, um, was already launched and it was already running. Um, uh, and and so, so that was good, but, but there, there were two things that were really missing. Um, the first is good technology and open source standards for the layer above the blockchain. So, you know, there's a blockchain and you can anchor public keys and schemas and, and other things on it to facilitate verifiable credentials, but you also need a wallet to hold those verifiable credentials in. And um, when I got involved at Sovereign, um, there, there weren't uh, open source wallets or uh, really any standards to, to help different wallet providers uh, be interoperable with each other. Um, and now uh, we, we are, I wouldn't say we're all the way there. Um, it'll probably be an ongoing effort for years, but um, there's at least uh, a, a suite of interoperability tests and protocols in the Hyperledger Ares project and with the DIDCOM protocol that enable cross-platform and um, cross-vendor interoperability. And we've done several of those demos. Um, uh, we, we just did one with the government of British Columbia uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and and so, so the first thing that really made the technology really ready for prime time is, is these uh, sort of uh, layer two wallet standards and interoperability protocols. Um, the second thing uh, that really made, I think, the technology much more ready for, for you know, real life usage um, is all of the work that has been done on policy and legal. Um, I just want to reiterate what Peter said about, you know, the technology is just like, you know, a small fraction of what's required to really get a, a solution to market. Um, the technology, uh, in, in our view, is, is production ready, um, but, but there's still a lot of work to be done on the legal side um, and the policy side. But one of the things that's, that's um, really been valuable is all of the work that was done at the Sovereign Foundation and funded in part by the community on uh, GDPR uh, thought leadership. And it actually led to, you know, deep, deep dives into, the, into, into law um, led to changes in the way that the sovereign network was architected. Um, and it, it ultimately led to sort of all um, user DIDs being um, off ledger. And there's, there's a bunch of technical details we could talk about, but the reality is, or, or pr practically speaking, um, what matters is that, um, you know, there's been enough thinking done about how these frameworks fit into um, global uh, legal regulations that I think, um, you know, uh, without that, it, it really um, wouldn't be ready for prime time. You're, you're muted, Lucy. We have a question here that's kind of relevant to to what you're talking about. So how how can it uh, how can VC be ready for wider adoption when there's only few wallets, or when no wallets have been audited for security and privacy? What, what's your take on this? 
Riley. So our wallets have been audited for security and privacy um, in, internally, right? I mean, we haven't, uh, they're, they're, I mean, this, this brings up a good point, right? Like, wouldn't it be great if we had uh, external um, uh, auditors and auditor accreditors and governance bodies that accredit the auditor accreditors and, you know, so a really robust ecosystem of, of trust, right? Um, I think just we're early, so we're not going to be there, right? There's no business model for an accreditor when, like you said, there's only a few wallets. Um, but yeah, we, we, we've done, uh, we had external audits done on our security um, on, on both the open source wallet code um, as well as the street cred wallet. Um, and so, so, so that, that, that's, um, you know, uh, a comment on that part. Um, the other part is, um, you know, there are only a few wallets, um, but that doesn't mean that they can't be used in, in prime time. Um, the standards and, and the open source, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the open source standards for, um, for developing wallets are there. The building blocks are there and there are open source reference code bases that, that you can go and, you know, build your own wallet today if you wanted to. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't think um, there's perfect answers to those questions because we're still early, um, but, uh, but I think we're ready enough that we don't need to keep um, stalling. We can, we can go ahead and move some things into production. Thank you, Riley. Just to add a little bit of context here, the, the open source code the value you're talking about, they, they, they kind of both were donated to the community, are one of the main kind of uh, resources for the, for the entire community to build on wallet on. So, so they're kind of at least gave us a, a little bit of comfort because that code is, is not just ma managed by one company, like a private company is kind of open to the entire community to criticize where we're audit. So that's a little bit of context here. Uh, uh, Peter, can you um, share a little bit more like what, what, uh, what's your thought process at TNNO when you uh, started the, the Unlock project in terms of like uh, evaluating the readiness of the technology? Yeah, I, I can sort of, uh, based on what Riley said, um, um, in our consortium, we have one, one law firm uh, and one bank. So we are following also um, uh, a quite a rigorous approach to uh, um, having all the regulatory checks done on our, on our expo. So the regulatory compliance uh, is involved in the process, um, but it's also uh, one of the first times in the Netherlands that we're actually doing this. And so that they, I, I agree with Riley that technology-wise it works, um, but there is not yet sufficient paperwork uh, filled out to prove that it works also to non-technical people, right? And so I think it's it's uh, for, I see this actually as a boost. Uh, this is for us the first time that we're working together with all these companies to combine all this brain power from both the the legal side, the the uh, compliance side, um, and it will it will at least give us a very strong framework. What I um, also, what we're, I think we're also learning is that um, you, it's sort of, you're not auditing just the technical component or the wallet, you're auditing the whole system. So also uh, how you connect to uh, certain health data, how you deal with this health data. And there's a lot of rules and regulations around it that have nothing to do with SSI, but you need to follow them. Uh, and I think we're now at this point learning more and more that this is quite complex, at least in the Netherlands it's quite complex, but I don't think it will be much different uh, overseas. Um, so I think the maturity is more that the people you're also talking to don't know what SSI is. So sometimes they need to uh, reorient the way they're thinking, hey, how they would typically do such an, uh, a legal audit. Uh, it changes when you're talking decentralized and it doesn't even matter if it's SSI or blockchain or multi-party computation or 
other decentralized technologies. It just requires a different mindset, especially from legal people is my, uh, my feeling. So I'm, I'm happy we found a law firm that is quite into technology and is, is actively, uh, I think CMS is great in this aspect that they have this sort of tech focused practice. So that's also something I recommend is to get such lawyers into the community that are um, that understand technology and that are willing to to help. Um, um, yeah, and, and I think also we, I think uh, the the uh, the standards that Riley is referring to we're using the same. We're also using uh, Aries Indie Ditcom uh, standards. Um, um, so I think I think the whole world is sort of converging towards these technologies. Um, and are they production ready? Yes, for certain use cases they are. And I think you can you can easily build a point solution now. Uh, it's still hard to build the fully in interoperable uh, solution if, if you're talking uh, COVID. If you want to build a system where uh, people can fly from all over the world and use their local health data in any other place in the world, technically you might be able to pull it off, but there's still some difficulties in the policies and how you change them and how do you I uh, think one of the things that is for us quite interesting is what they're now calling a local assurance communities. So how do you know who to trust? In the Netherlands, we know which lab laboratory is a real laboratory, but we don't know this from a country across the globe. And we, it's very hard to determine who should you then trust to point out which are the legit laboratories and which are non-legit. And how does this work in countries that, are, uh, that have a malfunctioning legal system and have a lot of uh, corruption and bribery? Right, so those are also things that are not that are being developed in the standards community, but they're not fully. You cannot just pick them off the shelf. You need to really think about this. So I'm seeing sort of the global use cases, especially about uh, travel. I think are still quite complicated. Thank you, thank you both. Because uh, as we're talking about, there are like a, a bunch of like non-technical people, or like people not from the exercise space, probably who don't understand the tech enough. So I prepare a very, very simple um, kind of graph to show. Because if, if if some of you like uh, have been following the SSS space, probably you've heard of trust over IP stack, and but that's like a very simplified version I'm showing here. Is for if, if you're talking about the full stack, we're talking about stack for technology and stack for governance. And the governance, like that's something I've been discussing. Even like the, the global initiative, the oldest three of us are, are part of, we're not only talk, talking about the, the, the governance, there are different sides, how the technology should work. And also on the human side, how, how human organizations should interact with each other. So we're discussing, actively discussing these issues. And even though, it, you know, some of the problem or issues were still need to be resolved. Just to give like, for those of you who are not, who are new to technology or SSI specifically, I want to provide here a very high level and simplified idea of what we mean by ready. So, at least, uh, uh, so there are four layers that form the SSI technology stack. So I believe most, uh, like the three of our companies are mainly working at the layer three and layer four. And I think Riley's company, they're contributing like a lot to the layer one, layer two as well. So uh, for Northern Block, our, our, we are at 90% like a layer four. So like the, it took some time for layer one and layer two to take shape and for things to standardize as those two layers. That's what Riley was talking about. And some of you may know that verified credentials have officially become a WC3C standard last year. So while standardization of this decentralized identifier is still like mission almost complete, uh, uh, it's mission almost accomplished. And thanks to maturity and standardization at the foundational layers, so companies such as Threegrass are able to create platform and tooling at layer three for companies like Northern Block to build, or uh, uh, TNO to build business applications at layer four. 
So our work at top layers are important for the further development as standardization at bottom layers, while we're also counting on the bottom layers to keep evolving to improve stability, usability, security, and unlock new fun functionalities. So that's the reason why I mean, when we're talking about a wide, wider adoption, it's not about, okay, it's, it's everything is ready. It's like what the work we're doing at adoption level will help the, the fundamental layers of technology to keep evolving. And I hope this is helpful for those of you who are, who are not technical. 